Hebrews chapter 5. That is where we are at in Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, I want to point out again so that many of you that may be listening uh, and then again, uh, some may be first time those that are listening. And for those of you here, we use the King James Bible. We use the Cambridge Standard Text of the King James Bible. That is the true text. And I would have you get that uh, text, get that Bible, King James, Cambridge Standard Text Bible. So we come and we are at Hebrews chapter 5, 14 verses in this chapter. And again, if we go over who is the book of Hebrews written to, the book of Hebrews was originally written to of course, always any book of the Bible is written to us. We can benefit from it. We can learn from it. We can digest wonderful things from it. But this particular book of Hebrews or epistle of Hebrews, if we think about it back in the first century when it was written, it was originally written to Hebrew people that were Christians. So you had Hebrew people that left Judaism. Now, here's the thing. People will say, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. You're a Jew if you keep Judaism. If you are a person and your ethnicity, your ethnicity will be Hebrew. Your religion will be Judaism. Therefore, if you're following Judaism, you're going to say that you are a Jew because you follow Judaism. You could be a Hebrew and not be following Judaism or ascribing to the Judaic religion, just as much as you could be a Hebrew following the Christian faith. And that's what we had here. So a lot of the wording and a lot of the parallels and the illustrations that are given are given for the purpose th that the Hebrew Christians could relate to and could understand, yet raising Jesus as the preeminence of all things. And so we get here to chapter 5, and in chapter 4, we talked about how Jesus was uh, greater. Uh, he was, there should be, uh, a, it talked about in chapter 4 that uh, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, that we find that in chapter 4, verse 14. Uh, he then opens up chapter 5. Notice this. 
He says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now let me stop there a minute and say this. The Bible is a beautiful, beautiful, powerful, wonderful book. It is the very words of God that he has given to us to walk in the Christian faith in the the life that we live in whatever generation we may be living in. It's relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's relevant today as it will be 2,000 years from now. And when you'll notice that when we talk or teach the Bible or preach messages of the Bible, it cannot ever be what I think, what another person thinks, whatever another brother over here thinks or says. It must be what the Bible says. The Bible has got power that will speak to you. Yes, God can ordain men and give them the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to people, but the power of God's Word, as we found out, did we not, in chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. So he says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 2 says, Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Now, obviously, that's referring back to the Old Testament and the high priests of the Old Testament. And what it is saying here is that every high priest is taken from among men, is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God. That this high priest in the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find in the Old Testament those priests in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. You'll see the workings of the priest and the high priest. And he was ordained by God, or he was ordained in the things of God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is compassed with our infirmities. What that saying is, is that high priests and priests were chosen from among the tribe of Levites. They were men. They were still men. And they could be brought in and trained in the things of God. And they can have compassion on the normal people, because they were the normal person. They were just another human being like everybody else who had sin. For they had and they were clothed with the same kind of ignorance of committing sins like all the other humanity. It says in verse 3, And by reason hereof he, the high priest, ought as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sin. So the high priest, if you read in the Old Testament, the high priest would offer gifts and sacrifices for his own sins and then for the people, because he had sinned too, is what it's trying to say. Verse 4 says, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So no man who would have sin, would stand up and say, well, I'll do this, I'll do this for God, I'll offer gifts and say, I'll be a high priest. 
That is not something that you just say, I'll do it. You're called of God. You have the calling of God on you and is the same way as it is here we're going to see with Jesus. But that Aaron was specifically called of God. You're going to do this. And Aaron did it. But knowing that he had sin, he had to offer sacrifices to cleanse his sin, and then he could offer and minister for the people after his own sin was taken care of. Verse 5, here comes the differences. He says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. So it says here, as we see it plainly, that Jesus didn't glorify himself. Jesus didn't stand up and say, okay, I'll be, I'll be the Christ. I'll be the Christ. No, he was called specifically of God. That's the first thing we notice in this verse five, that he, Jesus Christ, was appointed and called of God. He was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And if you want to know more about Melchizedek, just uh, do a search on his name and go back and read about Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, notice there, Jesus, that's talking about in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers with supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, that's Jesus Christ, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now notice, it says there that he, with strong supplications, he prayed, knowing that he was going to go to his death to be that sacrifice for all of us. He, with crying and with tears, cried unto him that was able to save him, and he was heard because he, he feared. And though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So in his suffering, he learned obedience. In his suffering, is can there be any good in suffering? I mean, people will say, I don't want to suffer. Why do I? Is there any good in suffering? Yes, there could be good in suffering in that it will hone you it will sharpen you to be more obedient and to be able in the suffering learn the things that god is doing and you will then see at some point you know i suffered all these things but god taught me something in it i learned something in it i'm a better christian for it i can better serve and glorify the lord jesus christ because of the suffering that i went to he says, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Notice in verse 9, what does this say right here? And being made perfect doesn't mean that Jesus was not perfect in his divinity, in his divinity prior to this. He was always perfect in his divinity, in his godhood. 
It's talking about his body, his flesh. Jesus was perfect in his divinity and in his body. And he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Notice eternal there. When you think of the word eternal, what do you think? Everlasting, all the time, eternal, never ending, never stopping. That's what our salvation is. When you get people that will begin to tell you you can lose your salvation, what a heresy. What a heresy. Because salvation is eternal. Jesus says that no man will pluck you out of his hand. He has you. That he gives you eternal life, life that never ends. If he gives it to you and you lose it, that means he doesn't have the power to keep it in you and that his word of saying that it was eternal was a lie and it wasn't eternal. It has to be eternal. It is eternal. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation, always salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. And here's what happened. Remember in the beginning of the study when I said that the Hebrews were Hebrew Christians and they were had just come out of Judaism and they were in Christianity now and they were they were struggling with the things that they had known in Judaism but now they're Christians and they somehow seem to have some problems this is what it's talking about in this whole book of Hebrews that they're they're having some struggles they're having some problems and one of them here is that they've become dull of hearing that perhaps Christianity wasn't exciting enough for them anymore probably because they were very used to the rituals and the, the washings and, and the prayers and doing oh, this and that in their Judaism to keep themselves saved. Now that Jesus has come and saved them and we are fully in his hands, they seem to become a little bit of dull of hearing. Again, he says, verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles the or of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Remember where it says they're the first principles. You'll, you're going to see that again in chapter 6, verse 1, leaving therefore the principles, needing to be taught the principles of God. Again, it says, he says, you're dull of hearing. And he says, these must have been mature Christians, or he wouldn't have said, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers. So you have been Christians for so long a time now, and you should be teaching other people. You, you be mature enough to be able to teach all other people that you come in contact with. You've become dull of hearing, and now you're not even teaching what you know that you should be teaching. And he says, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. That's the second thing in that verse. The one that they need, that needed, needed to be taught all over again. Two, that someone needed to teach them again the first principles of the oracles of God because they had become dull of hearing in verse 11. And the third thing was, is that they have become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Milk in the Bible is 
a metaphor for being like a child, like like a babe. Milk is the first essential, the easy things of God. Strong meat is the hard things of the Word of God, the deep truths, the deep doctrines of the Scriptures that one has to get in and study and study and study and mill over the Scriptures in order to come to the right conclusion with the help of the Holy Spirit, of course. But they're just wanting milk. They're just wanting the easy things because they don't want to dig in because, again, they're dull of hearing. He says in verse 13, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongs to those that are full of age or mature, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we see that in verse 13, he calls them out and says, Everyone that uses milk, everyone that just uses the, the, the easy, the first little principles of God is unskillful. He's a babe. He's like, he's like, he's brand new in Jesus Christ. Like a person who's just been saved for a week. They don't know anything. They don't know a Bible. They don't know, they don't know where the book of John is from the book of Numbers, from the book of Matthew. They don't know. They're, they're, they don't know. They have no idea. He says, you're a babe. You're just an infant in Christ. You don't know anything in the faith yet because you're just wanting to use continual milk. But he says, strong meat, that is the hard, the heavy, the deep things, the, 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 the very strong theological things of God are for those who are full of age, mature, those that have, yes, I'm going to get into these deep things. Yes, I'm going to study the word of God. Yes, I'm going to find out these deep principles and I'm going to therefore teach it to other people. He says they're full of age who by reason of use, that is getting into the Bible, getting into the scriptures, getting into the doctrines, get into the teachings, have their senses exercised because they're always using it. They're always getting into the, to the meat of the word of God. They're able to discern both good and evil. Those that are mature in the faith, those that are mature in the word of God, those that are mature in the doctrines and in the teachings of Christ are not going to be led astray. They can discern from good and evil. And it requires that. Now, there are times where you and I may become dull of hearing at times, may become lackadaisical. There are great Christian men of God who actually even proclaimed as they read that the word of God was boring to them. But all of a sudden, a renewed fire of the Holy Spirit came within them and they got back on track. It happens. It happens all the time. It is having that renewed fire that verse 14 says, senses exercised to discern both good and evil, having strong meat, being challenged by the word of God constantly and consistently will make you a mature and better Christian. And this is what it means to have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What a great chapter this was here that the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest high priest. There is no other high priest. He's the last one. He's it. There's nothing else. There's no other high priest. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy to even say that there's another high priest. It's a blasphemy to have somebody sitting up with, with high priestly robes proclaiming that they're a priest, that they're a high priest. Jesus is the only high priest. He's the first and only last high priest there ever was and will ever be. He is our high priest. We look to him. He is our mediator between God and man. So in this, I would have you look to that he is this high priest. 
He is the author of eternal salvation and that we ought not to become dull of hearing. We ought to not have to have all the first infant infant things of Christianity taught to us again if we're mature. And these Hebrews were obviously mature in the faith at this point. And the writer of Hebrews is correcting them and saying, no, you've, you've dropped down so dull that you need to be taught again. We are to be not taking milk. We are to be taking strong meat that we can have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil.